Well, good morning. Hey, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life. If you are a first-time guest, welcome. Go ahead and grab that connection card. Take your bulletin, rip that connection card down at the bottom. We'll do offering after the message, and you can drop it off in the plate then. Don't forget the backside is always prayer requests, praises, anything you want to write down that you want the church to be lifting up in prayer, as well as just praising God. And I've got a quick praise God moment right here in our service. It's two weeks ago, we had our kids' summer survivor. It's our VBS. And in the midst of it, we had 38 kids surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. 38 kids. I was a children's pastor for five years previously in, in my ministry life, and uh, my wife and I have put on several VBSs before. I've never in my whole life have seen 38 kids in one VBS, just personally, that I've put on my own. I've never seen that number before. So if you uh, grabbed flames and helped with our items that we needed, thank you so much. If you volunteered your time and you were there leading with the kids and allowing the kids to throw water balloons at you at the very end, thank you. It was like getting hit with rocks. Uh, we realized they weren't water balloons. They were normal balloons. So if you fill normal balloons with water, it don't, they don't break. It's like when they decided to throw them at us, it was rocks. I mean, welts everywhere. Um, before we jump into, uh, Pastor Josh and Pastor Patricia are both at Hastings, Michigan this morning at a campground that uh, they're going to be teaching kids. Uh, Patricia has first through third grade, and Josh has the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Brandon Kinsey from our church is also up there. I just want to lift them up in prayer because they have an entire, <laughs> they have an entire week with kids. And uh, it's camp, and I always tell them it's like a working vacation. Like you got to work in the morning and then in the evening, but in the afternoon rest. Um, it's a great time. But I just want to lift them up in prayer because I know that when God's on the move, the enemy's on the move as well. And the enemy is going to want to strike. So if you will, let's just bow our heads and pray for Josh and Patricia. Father God, I thank you for Josh and Patricia and their heart. I thank you for the kids that they're going to touch at camp this morning and throughout the rest of this week. God, I just pray that they lean into you for strength, that they get through the week, not just, whew, it's over, but God, that they can feel refreshed by your presence, that they feel refreshed knowing that they taught kids who you are. So give them the strength. And God, I cannot forget to pray for Dallas. And everything that occurred several days ago. God, we need your love more than ever right now in this country. We need you. So Father God, I pray for your presence over there. For those lives that were lost, for the communities that are absolutely broken right now, will you just fill their void with you? And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're on a summer teaching series titled Superpowers, and we're looking in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and we've seen this every week. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we've been picking apart each of these, what we've titled superpowers, as a characteristic in our lives that when we follow Jesus, we have access to this. That our normal bent is not these nine characteristics, 
And this morning, we're going to talk about kindness. And uh, how many of you like kindness? All right, all right, all right. Three quarters, the other quarter, I don't know why you don't like kindness. Um, you know, you try to define kindness. And I, th- this is another one of those words that I, I want to ask Paul, like, kindness, really? Like, and so this week, I was purposely trying to be kind to people. Not that I normally don't, but it was just like, it was on my mind, so I'm going to try to be, I just want to see. So I was like, what is kind of, like, what, what's Paul trying to get at? Like, do you wave the person in your car, like, wave them through? Like, ah, oh, no, you, you go ahead. You know, I was trying to be nice at four-way stops and waving people on, or do you help? Like, I'm six foot six, so I'm the guy in the store that everyone asks to reach the top shelf. And, uh, there's so many times I just want to be like, I'll lift you up and get it. You know, I just, why do I always have to be the one to grab the stuff? But I'm trying to be kind in stores. And, you know, is kindness like buying Girl Scout cookies? Like you just feel like, I don't know, I'm acting kind. Any Thin Mint fans? Absolutely. Any of you guys like that coconut stuff, the Samoya? Yuck. I am pretty sure coconut will not be in heaven. Like, I'm pretty adamant on that. Um, that was probably the tree that Adam and Eve ate from, you know, it was the coconut tree. Actually, all right, side note, really, now I have to go. I think it was fig. All right, it's not an apple. They don't do apples over there, right? I think it's fig. Here's why. Adam and Eve sinned. What'd they cover up with? Fig leaves. So we know immediately there's fig trees within the garden. Second of all, uh, Newer Testament, what the only tree Jesus curses is a what? Jesus curses a fig tree. I'm thinking it's a fig. Or that or a pomegranate. But I'm on the fig boat. All right, hey, so complete, we're not even on this. Like, we got to get through kindness. Hey, if you will, open up your scripture to Acts. In the Newer Testament, Acts, if you got your tablet or cell phone, jump over to Acts chapter 14. Here's a little table of contents of the Newer Testament, about two-thirds of the way through. Get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four guys who write about the life of Jesus. And then we go into Acts, which is the second book to Luke. Luke actually is writing this really long letter. And then he goes and actually writes Acts, which is the actions of the early church. The actions. This is first generation followers of Jesus. This is first generation Christians. So can you imagine? You know, they don't know exactly how do we do Christianity? Like, how is it done? And so this is where we get a lot from in the book of Acts, chapter 14. When you get there, we're jumping in on Paul's first missionary journey. Paul's the guy who writes the letter in Galatians chapter 5, all those fruits of the Spirit. And I think if we jump into his life, we're going to understand the power of kindness and why Paul puts that as a fruit of the Spirit. So Acts chapter 14, we're going to jump. Here's a quick map to get us just an idea. This is Asia Minor, present-day Turkey. You have Israel down kind of on the bottom right there. You've got Perga, Lystra, Antioch, Iconium, and Derbe. These are the five places that Paul's going to travel on his first missionary journey, and he takes three. This is the first, and he plants all these churches. This is known as the region of Galatia. These are the churches he's writing to in his letter as well. But he's there with a buddy, Barnabas. And this area, and we've seen some of these pictures, very Greek, extremely 
completely countercultural to the Jewish belief system. This is the, um, a Greek uh, pagan temple. They had pagan temples all over the place. You pick the God you want to worship, there you go. That's your God that you worship. They're all over the place. Not only do they have temples all over the place, but they have massive theaters everywhere. And what theaters were basically used for is to promote their Greek philosophy onto the audience. And these are everywhere. They're absolutely just stunning. They're beautiful. And they're everywhere in this all over Asia Minor. Also, not only theaters, but there's stadiums. The Olympics have actually been going on prior to Jesus' time. And this is about, I don't know, 50, 40, 30 to 50 years after the time of Jesus that Paul's writing this. But this is stadiums where you would watch people wrestle. Men wrestled naked back then. Like, it's insane, but that's what they did. And you would watch them race horses and everything at their stadiums. And this is the culture that Paul's going into to bring the message of Jesus Christ to a lost, lost, lost region. So Acts chapter 14, and we're jumping in, and it starts out with a bang. Acts chapter 14, verse 8. Dwight, can you go to the next slide? Sorry. In Lystra, one of those cities that on the map, in Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. Now, can you imagine that? Your entire life never been able to walk. Everyone knows who you are. Lystra is a small city. It's not big. Everyone knows this is the guy that cannot walk. Verse 9, Dwight, you're going to have to do the slides. Thank you. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, in verse 10, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, I absolutely love how this man responded, right? You haven't been able to walk your entire life, and someone says, stand up on your feet, I'm always thinking to myself, wouldn't you like mosey on up? Like you've never been able to walk. Like, you know, you're going to push yourself up a little bit. This guy jumps up like he's like, woo, I can walk now. And he's gone. I mean, it's incredible how he responds to the moment when he experiences God. I wonder how often we respond like that. To experience God in our lives. But active, it's, eh. it's just mundane. But this guy jumped up. And in this moment, I'm thinking, and as you're reading the story, you're like, oh, man, we don't know where Paul is. Maybe he's outside one of those theaters. Maybe he's outside one of those temples. Maybe he's outside at a stadium preaching and bringing this news. We don't know where he is right now in Lystra, but what we know is he's preaching who Jesus is, and all of a sudden a man's healed. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, sweet, like keep it going, Paul. Like who else is going to come to Jesus? And all of a sudden the tables are going to turn. Verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, 
The gods have come down to us in human form. Next verse. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bowls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Now, can you imagine now all of a sudden, they're not praising Jesus. They're thinking, oh my goodness, these are our pagan gods dressed up right now. This is Zeus and Hermes. They're going to immediately what they know. They don't know Jesus. That's why Paul's there preaching who Jesus is. We know our pagan gods. We know Hermes and we know Zeus. Look at the next picture. Here's a, just a picture, a statue of Zeus, who they say, this is Barnabas. And normally he would have a rod or a lightning bolt in his hand. And the next picture shows Hermes. I don't know how he lost an arm, but there he is, Hermes. And they say, this is Paul. But what we don't know is that we get a little insight from a historian known as Ovid. See, there's a legend in this region of Galatia. The legend comes from Bacchus and Philemon, a husband and wife. See, the legend in this region that's spreading all over is that Zeus and Hermes have come down to the people in Galatia and have disguised themselves as peasants. They go to house to house to house looking for hospitality. Over and over, they're getting rejected. Next house, rejected. Next house, rejected. Finally, they reach the house of Bacchus and Philemon, and they knock on the door as peasants, and Bacchus and Philemon let them in. They clothe them. They give them food. They offer them hospitality. After the hospitality, they reveal themselves that they are Zeus and Hermes. And they tell Bacchus and Philemon, because of your hospitality, we will save you, but everyone else we're wiping out. And this is the legend that has spread generation after generation. And all of a sudden, here's Paul and Barnabas showing up to their area. All of a sudden, a guy's healed in their first response. Oh my goodness, is this the legend reborn? So they go, this has to be Zeus and Hermes again. Quickly, because last time they said they were going to destroy everyone. Quickly, let's get the bowls and wreath and offer sacrifices. And they just go to what they know. But Paul's going to give them a little message. Paul continues in the next verse. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out to the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. Next verse. In the past, he let all the nations go their way, referring to God. He continues, let God has not left himself without testimony. He has shown what, church? There's our superpower. 
Paul says he's shown kindness to you by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And Paul says, I'm here to tell you about this God. You don't have a relationship with this God, but little do you know, he's been showering you with kindness. Next slide. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. They wanted, they're thinking, this is Zeus and Hermes. We got to give them something. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. There's a God I got to let you know about. This God who's showering you with kindness has brought you rain. Next slide. This God that you don't even have a relationship with is showering you with kindness by providing rain for you. Because rain means life. And this God that you have no idea who he is is giving you life because he's a kind God. And with the rain comes your crop. With your crops, you're able to eat and produce food. You have the food that you want to fill your bellies, and the food you eat is around people you enjoy, and they fill your hearts with joy. This is the God that's showering kindness on you right now. The God you have no idea who he is. He's pursuing you with his kindness. And maybe for us, we take some of these things for granted as well. And we say, you know what? My relationship with God has been broken. I just feel like he's distant. But maybe God's still showering his kindness in ways that we may take for granted. For instance, maybe it's this beautiful sunset on Lake Superior. You've seen those sunsets that just catch your eye and you're like, wow. And it's simple, the act of kindness of God reminding that I am here. Or maybe for you, you're big into the arts and photography. You love just getting out in nature and capturing God's beauty. And you're reminded of God's goodness and kindness out in nature. Maybe for others, it's this. It's the sports field. You just find so much joy getting out on that diamond or that soccer field or that court, whatever it is. And you're realizing, man, there is a kind God out there. And perhaps for others, you just want to be in the river or lake fishing. And you're saying, man, there's a good God out here that's showering me with his kindness that I take for granted. And Paul's saying, I have to tell you about this God. And all of a sudden, things are going to turn on Paul really, really quick. Next verse. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. What are you doing? What? are you doing, Paul? 
think Paul would say that kindness has the power to redefine and redirect our lives. Paul, you just had stones thrown at you. They thought you're dead. They dragged you outside the city thinking, finally, we got rid of this guy. We don't know who he is. He's obviously not Hermes, the guy that we thought he was. He's dead. The disciples come after him, and they're probably like, Paul, you got to stay down. You just got hit in the head. You probably have a concussion, anything else right now in life. Just stay down. And Paul says, no, i got to go back in. I have to go back in because I know what the power of kindness does in my life. See, you don't understand. I once was not Paul. I was Saul. A persecutor of the Christians. I wanted to stop the Jesus movement. And one day I had an encounter with Jesus and I should have been dead. But God showered his kindness on me and gave me a second chance. And these people have to know about this living God that changes lives. And they just stoned me and left for dead, but I'm going back into the city and telling them about the, kind, the kindness that has the power to redefine and redirect our lives. Paul goes back into the city. And he begins to continue to share the good news of Jesus. It says that tons of people begin to follow. Paul experienced the kindness of God in his life that redefined who he was. Absolutely redefined who he was. I was a murderer and now I'm a child of God. And God's kindness redirected my life from church destroyer to church planter. That's the power of kindness in our lives. In Titus, Titus talks about the power of the kindness. Titus chapter 3 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, when God showers us with kindness and love from God, the result is he saves us. Not because of all the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. Because of God's kindness, he says, I'm going to shower you, redefine what you've done, redirect your life. Not because of all the good things, coming to church or doing this or that or doing those random acts of kindness, which is all good, but that's not why. I'm doing it because I love you. Which brings me to the chair. For some of us, we can think back to that mistake we made. That failure in our life that just hurts. And maybe it's caused extreme pain in someone else's life. And we carry that. Maybe for others, it's that broken down relationship that you thought this thing was going to last forever and it's not what has happened. Is it me? Did I do something wrong? What 
Who am I? For others, maybe you reflect on a time when your parent walked out on you. As a little child, say, is it my fault? Why did my parent reject me? Or maybe for others, it was words that were spoken to you that just ripped apart your heart and you've carried those. Our bad instances and circumstances in our life, we tend to use that and it colors who we are. But I want you to know this morning that you are not defined by that. You are defined as a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a son and daughter of the one true living king. And God's kindness in your life has the power to redefine any definition that you've been carrying. God's kindness has the power to redirect your life whatever direction in life you're going. That God is there. That we all are children of God. Don't let your past define you. God defines you. And God calls you his child. We have to live into that. May you wear that label. I am a child of God. But it doesn't stop there. There may be a person in your life that needs to be redefined and redirected. Who can you shower kindness upon? To introduce them to this Jesus that absolutely changes lives. I grew up in this church, and I remember my youth pastor was Brian Trump. And I wasn't really involved in youth much until Brian Trump, I think my freshman year, got a hold of me and started to connect with me. And I'll never forget, I will say, he showed me kindness that redefined and redirected and put my life on a different path. Because he took time to do it. This doesn't come easy, this comes intentionally. It doesn't happen overnight, it comes through long-lasting relationships. I had a phone conversation with Brian Trump about several months ago. I said, I'll never forget you because you're the one that showered kindness, got me plugged into church, and I strongly believe, Brian, you're the reason I'm here today. So allow God to redefine you as a child of God. Let God redirect your life as Paul oh so encountered himself. And let's go. Redefine and redirect other people who need to know who Jesus Christ is. So who's that one person in your life that you begin to shower kindness to?
No wonder why Paul puts kindness as a fruit of the Spirit. Because in the midst of our chaos and our conflict, maybe kindness is hard. I want revenge when I'm hurt. I'm full of anger. I'm full of this or that. The last thing I want to do is redefine. I want this person to know they made a mistake and they got to live their mistake. God says, no, 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 no. My kindness redefines them. They're my child. And I can redirect their life. May we live into the power of kindness ourselves. As we embrace it, and as we give it to others. Let me pray for you guys. God, so many times in our lives when we're hurt, we may want to seek revenge. We may want to just jump off and just scream and hope that they get the consequences that they deserve. But God, as we look at Paul, Paul jumped right back up after being stoned goes back in the city and says, I have to tell these people about Jesus Christ because I've experienced this kindness myself. So God, I pray for anyone here this morning that thinks back to that rejection, that failure in life, those words, that broken down relationship, I pray, God, that you would shower them with your kindness to redefine them. May their spirit know they are a son, they are a daughter of the living King, Jesus Christ. That they should not be ruled by fear. Because everything's under your feet, God. And God, I pray that you would reveal that one person could be a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor. That we just share God's love and kindness to. Because there are people out in our community right now thinking they are that failure. Thinking they are that rejection. And they need to hear the words, you are a child of God. So God, use us. May we be responsive to your spirit. May we keep moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, our ushers can come down. If you're a first-time guest with us, you can fill out that connection card and take it to Radiant Cafe. And we'll give you drinks on us as a way of just saying thank you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Again, if you've got this online giving that we have, you can go to the radiantlife.church, sign up for online giving. It's a simple, quick way. It's just there for you. So you don't even have to think about it. It's there and it can just pull out. It's really quick and convenient for you. Let's pray for the offering. God, as part of worship, we give back. You've blessed us financially, even though some may be living paycheck to paycheck, you've still provided. You are Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. And as an act of worship, we give you back a portion 
to further your kingdom. Trusting you, God, that you will provide with whatever amount of money that we have, that we offer it to you as children of God. We thank you, Jesus. Bless the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen.